finally went ahead and watched Inland Empire. Um, the film, not the, uh, not the region, the metropolitan area known as the greater Los Angeles area and some metropolitan area in Southern California. It's a term that may be used to refer to the cities of Western Riverside County and Southwestern San San Bernardino, Bernardino, Bernardino County sometimes including the desert communities of Palm Springs and the rest of the Coachella Valley. Coachella, all right. This is the Inland Empire. Uh, that's what the word Inland Empire means. Uh, so the setting of this film is, is in, in is in there, is, is in Los Angeles, and I guess it's uh, it's an interesting title for the film because it does... Um, the title, it really is, the movie's about uh, movies. The movie is about a movie, a movie star, a making of a movie. It's a movie inside a movie movie, which is a trope that, of course, uh, is also explored uh, somewhat in uh, Mulholland Drive. And um, I'm trying to, um, uh, you know, Lost Highway. There's there's not really, but it's sort of in there a little bit. I mean, the, the, this this movie inside a movie, thing inside of a thing inside of a thing is certainly a um, a, a, a theme, at least uh, some sort of thematic element that David Lynch has explored in the past. And uh, things not are not always what they seem. Uh, this movie is is tough, uh, and I can't say I didn't like the film. Uh, I I did enjoy it. Uh, it, it. It's it's long. It's three hours. It's three hours long. And I think it's the longest David Lynch movie. And uh, it it's shot on digital film. So this is the this is the big. Uh, we'll get into the plot and some other things. I'll try and explore this the best I can. It, it I find I, f- I I find this very hard to crit- critique and and assess a score to because it's. <sighs> It, it 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 is a slog, and and part of the reason it is a slog is that it it it's shot on digital video, and it's shot in a in two thousand and six or two thousand and five, I believe, is when I started filming. So think about that, and we're I'm recording this in early twenty nineteen, and uh, I should note that I'm woefully behind with my uh, movie reviews, and I uh, apologize for that. But you know what things got behind? I have a, there's there's a bevy of them coming out, uh, just to pique your interest. Um, Inland Empire. I'm gonna do Bandersnatch, the Black Mirror, Annihilation. I gotta do another. I, I've I've watched two more David Lynch movies after this, as I'm kind of doing a uh, early year critique of his his filmography. Uh, a bunch of these are rewatches, but I watched Elephant Man for the first time. I watched um, Blue Velvet. I'm probably forgetting one, but I watched Private Life on Netflix, and I watched two movies that are from the uh, genre screen computer screen genre, Searching, and then the 2015. Uh, movie Unfriended, which is probably the first and most famous of this computer screen movie. But we're not talking about computer screen movies, of which I believe I'm going to try and put together a whole episode of all the computer screen movies in existence thus far. And why would I do that? I, I, don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm weirdly uh, intrigued by the uh, that genre. But we're talking about England, England Empire right now. <laughs> we're talking about David Lynch and uh, things that are, you know, uh, uh, they appear to be one thing and they're really not. And that is sort of the at the crux of this movie. It's a, it's very surreal, um, but it is shot on this digital video, and that to me is the element that needs to be 
picked apart. I, I, I guess you could say it's it's. I, I would like this movie so much more. I feel, and I hate to be the 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 guy who has this opinion because I like lo-fi things. You know, I I think um, they can really work and they can highlight certain elements. Uh, when I'm watching something and it's in, in a certain aesthetic, uh, that aesthetic is important to me. It could be, and this is, this is anything. You know? Podcast party, what's up? It's me, your host, Slamming Eric. I saw Game Night. Maybe probably the best movie of the year, if not ever. I'm gonna walk you through it. You hear me? It's a black comedy mystery film. Got a cool movie poster with a ski mask over a, a piece from a game puzzle. Badass. Splatter blood. Badass. It was directed by two two guys. That's how you know it's good. Two directors better than one. John Francis Daly. He's uh you know him. He's he was on Freaking Geeks. He's a freak and a geek in this film. Directing pretty tight directing. Jonathan Goldstein. What's up? He's the other director. Uh, of Game Night, it's co-director. They have a new one coming out too, The Flash. TBD, DC Extended Universe, DCEU. That's gonna be tight. They did such a good job with this movie. I gotta tell you, I loved it. Jason Bateman, Rest of Development. What? Rachel McAdams. So sexy. Also had a great sporting cast. Billy Magnuson. He's in. Uh, he's um, from Georgia. Georgia. Sharon Ho Sharon Horgan, English lady, very very nice. Uh, Lar Larman Hormis, Larman Morris, Kylie Bur Burnberry, Jesse Plemons. Well, of course, Jesse Plemons played, um, he was on Breaking Bad. He played, uh, he, uh, you know, he was on Breaking Bad. Played Todd. Psychopath, he's a total psychopath. He's a cop in this film. It's got a trick ending, this movie. Warner Brothers released the picture February 23rd, 2018. Day that will live in infamy. Certainly will. It grossed $117 million worldwide. It was a big hit. And people loved it. It's dark humor and the performances were great. Plemons was highlighted by many critics. And he was nominated for the Detroit Film Critics Society Award for Best Supporting Actor. Very, very congratulations to you, Jesse Plemons. This is a film 
It's about a game night that turns into a real life mur- murder mystery after one of the bur- gamers is, um, he is kidnapped by burglars, real burglars, not phony ones. Kyle Chandler is from Blood uh, Loss. Lo- lo- uh, film and any kind of art uh, the aesthetic is very important and to say it's not is sort of missing the point if you don't really care about this stuff I don't know what to tell you uh, I don't really feel like you're you know if you're only going like, if you, like let's say you're someone who just is only going to go into film you only care about a story you don't think about the plot and then that's anything else like I I maybe I'm not you know you shouldn't be listening to my takes on movie things it's 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 almost like it's the most important thing and Specifically for somebody like Lynch, and I, and having watched uh, a couple other films after this, rewatched um, Blue Blue Velvet especially, and, and I'll, I'll do a whole episode on Blue Velvet and uh, give that its time, uh, hopefully soon, because I, I didn't want to while well, it's fresh in my head. Because I finished watching Inland Empire two weeks ago. I mean, I've been busy, and uh, it's really no 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 excuses, but I, I you know I should be on top of this more than I am, but I. You know, I want. I want. My whole point of doing this is to try and do it while everything's fresh in my head. And and this, but this movie, it doesn't. I don't know if that's necessarily important because there really is it isn't much of a plot to like follow. If if you if you try and follow this plot, and I think Lost Highway uh, is also in that vein. I think those this film and Lost Highway are the most formless in terms of the Lynch movies and that just they just seem to carry. You know, you go off on a thread for twenty five minutes this direction and how that ties to everything else isn't important. And that's not to say that that's, that's a, that's a straight up uh, sentiment, a, fa- a factual sentiment. Cause I think it, it probably is, but they're so disparate and, 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 uh, an unconnected feeling, um, that it's, it's sort of at the, at the end of the day, it's, it's like, I, I don't know. You, you could pick it apart and be like, well, this, this, well, of course that symbolizes this and that symbolizes that. And certainly there's people who do that. And those are, you know, and I, I can, I put myself out at the very, you know, I'm a pretty huge Lynch fan. I love David Lynch. I, he's, he's my top three probably of uh, filmmakers, but I also, I'm not going to be, I, I beholden if that's the word, uh, or, or, or feel like a, it's a requirement or a necessity or a, a necessary, um, thing to try and pick these movies apart and tie them together in every which way and to, to gather every last nugget of thematic element and, uh, and, 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 and piece together what you might want to call a plot. Okay. So that being said, um, we can go back real quickly to the to the my thing, my, and I'll just say my piece about this now because we'll, we'll talk about the movie itself a little bit because I, I think you know I don't while while it's not the important part I think that you, you can kind of it's it's a fun game to just be like well, what did that movie mean to you and just just give you your like kind of gut reaction instead of having to like because th- th- I don't want to watch this movie again <laughs> it's sort of this is sort of why it's a confusing thing because I don't want to sit down and watch this for three hours and I didn't I watched this in, in three different I broke this up, and that's probably you know that's sacrilegious too. You're probably thinking, oh, it's a it's a it's a David Lynch movie. You can't break it up. 
You guys didn't watch the whole thing. It's like, well, I know it's not how my schedule uh, allows me to watch films necessarily uh, all the time. Uh, I love just sitting and taking in a film, but I also have no problem breaking a film up into two or three uh, different uh, watches. And, uh, and over the course of, you know, I'm not going to, I'll do, I'll do consecutive days. I'll never really take time off in between watching it. But that's sort of the new, you know, that's this is a new era really of, of filmmaking you know or, or how not filmmaking but how how the viewer takes in film um but let's talk about this di digital video it is low it's a low resolution that's there's really no way, other way to put it um every other element in this film from the shots which are, are, are structured by the technology and by, by the cameras they're using to a degree. But the sound design, the use of music, uh, how the film's edited. The plot of this film is great. It's a good, a good plot, and it makes you get into it, and you have so much fun with the laughs, and also the the mystery of it. It's, I didn't know where it was going, and I was that I appreciated that. Uh, sometimes I know where a movie's going, and it's no good. <laughs> this is a married couple, competitive gamers, Max and Annie, trying to have a child. But their attempts are unsuccessful due to Max's stress surrounding his feelings of inadequacy when compared to his successful and attractive brother Brooks. That's the guy who was the guy from Bloodline and the uh, football Friday football movie, Friday Football in America TV show. NBC, I think. Uh, during Max and Annie's routine weekend game night. That's why they call this movie Game Night. With their friends, Ryan, and the married couple, Kevin and Michelle, Brooks shows up, Max, by having her arrive, by, by, having, by arriving in a Corvette Stingray. That's Max's dream car. Why you gotta do it, Brooks? <laughs> and sharing an embarrassing childhood story about Max, Brooks, he offers to host the next game night at a house he's renting while he's in town. Meanwhile, Max and Annie are trying to keep their game night secret from their neighbor, Gary, an awkward police officer who is distraught after his wife left him. And it was that was the wife. He, they, he used to come to the game nights, and now he's a, he's a weirdo cop, and he's got a dog, and that's Jesse Plemons. Shout out Jesse Plemons, a.k.a. Detroit Film Critics Society Award nominee for Best Supporting Actor. When the guests, including Ryan's new date, Sarah, English lady, accent on, on, on par with the best uh, they arrive at Brooks's house the following week and they say he's initiated in an interactive role-playing mystery game promising the winner gets his stingray what that's crazy a, a car for a game night who knew that what who would think of such a thing a man dressed as an FBI agent he bursts into the home he informs of the narrative of the mystery only Two masked men break in and they assault that guy who came in first and they take Brooks. Uh, the guests believe the assault is part of the game. Well, 
Got news for you. Not. After Brooks is dragged out of the house, the couple begins to solve the mystery using the clues left behind by the actor. Using his GPS location, Max and Annie track Brooks down to a seedy bar, and using a pistol left behind by Brooks during the struggle, which they believe to be fake, they manage to take the keys of the storage closet. They get the Brooks out. Brooks, brother Brooks. After Annie mistakenly fires his gun and shoot Max in the arm because they thought it was a fake gun, confirming the weapons, but that confirmed the, re- the weapon was real. They are in real danger, but they escape, the three of them. Brooks, too. They rescue him. Brooks admits that he actually makes his living buying and selling illegal items on the black market. <laughs> what? Crazy. In particular, a Fabergé egg sought by a man known only as the Bulgarian and owned by a man using the alias Marlon Freeman. Like Marlon, uh, the actor. Martin, Martin Freeman. With his captors in pursuit, Brooks exits the moving car to guarantee Max's and Annie's escape. Good thanks, Brooks. He's a good brother, after all. Eventually, the other t- t- learn the others learn they become involved in avoiding police because of Brooks's warning. When they try to determine the identities of the Bulgarian and Moreland Freeman, they show up at Gary's house under the false pre- pretense of a game night in order to use his police computer, which is that's a, everyone knows that police have the computers in their house hooked up to the police database, where Max discovers the address of Marlon Freeman, real name Donald Ad Anderton. The group leaves Gary's house and arrives at Andertone's house, and he is hosting an underground fight club. Crazy. As the others search the house, the actors it's all very David Lynch then you see this movie and it's and it's got a uh, a, a, a visual hum if I can frame it like that because that's it's it's there's something underlaid the entire time and that's just the quality of the of the visuals and like I said aesthetically that might work but I I keep wanting to see this film and how I, I just if he shot this even in just a because uh, I think he shot Twin Peaks on modern digital as well then the the, the night the uh, you know eighteen hour revival Twin Peaks the Return I think he shot that on you know high high def digital um, and and of course the the film stock of all of his films before Inland Empire, which were all shot on film uh, and uh, look beautiful. And uh, like I said, I just watched Blue Velvet, and, and I'll say uh, the cinema, cinematography and, and shot framing. Maybe he gets. A, I think as a even as a Lynch fan, I feel like maybe he gets a little too much credit for that. I, I don't think his movies are necessarily like the the best looking films, even even back then. So it's, so it's hard to say like why why it was bugged so badly by this digital video resolution. But it is the like the it I can come back to this a, a hundred times and I'll always have the frame and be like, but that look of it, you know, like that something with that look of it is just um, and maybe it's ahead of its time because of that, and and I I I don't know, it's very it's very disconcerting to me and it's 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 troubling to me, it's troubling because I you know I I think there's elements of this film that I love, like I love the rabbits, there's the, um this subplot, I guess you could say, of a show, like it's like a deranged sitcom where 
these uh these humans are wearing like full full size rabbits rabbit heads and rabbit suits they're like anim anim what are they called anna uh anamorphic anamorph what is that word anim anamorphic anim anamorphic that's it anamorphor anamorphic anna anamorphic i got it anamorphic that's not right Oh, this is driving nuts. Eminor. Uh. Oh my God. And a p- and a pomorphic and a p- and a pom. And if, uh, my brain, anim, anip, anipomorph, anim, anipomorphic. Oh, Jesus. Jesus Christ. Anthro, anthropomorphic. Oh, I finally fucking Googled it. Oh. Anthropomorphic. That was that was a struggle. My brain. I feel like I was gonna slam my computer against the like. I was gonna just slam my fist through the computer just then. That's how frustrated I just felt, and because <laughs> I couldn't figure that. out. Anyway, there's rabbits, which is a. I guess so. In 2002, he had this short film series called Rabbits, and I don't know if they're. And I actually have that like the running time of that. Uh, how they are used in inland, um, empire. I think there's, yeah, like, so some of it I think is directly ripped from that production of rabbits. And then I guess there's some other stuff that, that aren't in from the original rabbit series that is, uh, like outtakes or other like shots of the, of that. Um, yeah, uh. I like the look. I love the look of that. It looks like a little dollhouse, and um, the way it's that shot, like wide, uh, wide angle, is really cool. And um, yeah, like I said, this movie. What would it? What would it be like uh, if it was shot on either high resolution digital or uh, film? I don't know. You know, it's it's aimless in in a way that, uh, and I wrote down actually when I was when I was first done with the story, I actually wrote down what I thought was the, was the theme, and I, it was funny because as I was writing it down, right on my phone, I'm looking it up. <coughs> I um like got to the got to the end, and I was like of my sentence that I was writing on my phone, the little note app on my phone. I'll read it to you. Um, okay. So the star, uh, this sentence isn't that long, but like, I, I remember I like, I, by the time I tried to, to even form my own opinion, I was like, had just done a, just done a circle. Like the movie creates this sort of like confusion, even, in, even when you're trying to like dissect it, which is, I think that's sort of the point of the D- David Lynch. That's why, like, I kind of get people like, Oh, he stinks because, you know, people, there's a lot of people who I respect their film opinions. They're like, oh, I can't watch his movies. Cause there's just no point. Like he's just clearly like, 
this is just like an artist being like wow like you know like showing off and being like this like anyone could do this if they had the but like and i think that and that's not like i don't disagree with that sometimes but like i also think that trying to figure everything out is maybe not the point and um so here's my sentence stars stars kill themselves in pursuit of stardom to pretend to be normal people who they are in turn trapping in a similar endless cycle so i remember writing that sentence and it felt like a cycle even in my um like in my own brain trying to write that like getting to the end of that like short sentence i was just like where am i going with this and then i like you know i was just like i got to do the period and i was like okay maybe that works so let me read it stars kill themselves in pursuit of stardom and and all that really is is they're pretending to be normal people who are they then they're then trapping in a similar cycle of being obsessed with what's on screen so like i actually think that and i have no idea i didn't read any theories or things about this film so i don't know if that's accurate or not but um i like that sentence that i wrote about this film and i think it's uh does it justice i don't know um let's just I'll, I'll, it's funny because i this film does start off very like much like easy to well there's like an intro part in, like there's a first 10 minutes which are like all over the place that kind of set up some of the serial serial serialistic uh scenes that will appear throughout especially later but then it gets into this plot line about um Laura Dern's character and it's about 20 minutes of the movie is just like very straightforward and it's and it's in this first third of the film where you're like, okay, what am I getting myself into? Then it's like it's there's a snap, uh, and it's right when um. It actually, let me read this because it's yeah. Okay, so like there's actually it's funny because the plot on Wikipedia has about half of it is devoted to that to that intro part of just like plot a real movie plot, you know, happening about this story about them making a movie, but there was something that happened on the original set of this movie. And it's sort of a remake. Cause this is a, it's got a different title, but, uh, the movie had been attempted to make before and there was a murder on set. And so there's this whole story about that. And there's like a bit of mystery behind it. And then, um, this is the, okay. So while, while, um, so there's a, point that it slowly very very much slowly drifts off and here's the paragraph where that happens i'll just read this plot i know it's wikipedia but blah blah whatever who cares it'll this gets the point across and it'll get me a, a at least a diving board to uh finish up my thoughts on the movie because this is, it is interesting this break so this is this is sort of as the break happens immersed in her character while the film is being shot sue slash nikki nikki is the name of uh laura dern's character she's playing sue in the film within a film appears to she begins to have appears to begin to have an affair with Devin, aka Billy, is the character in the film within the film that's played by Justin Thoreau. A strange scene follows based on what the old woman had described, and the old woman is of course the uh, fantastic Grace Zabriskie. Uh, she's she's uh, from Twin Peaks. She's a Lynch favorite, and she's just so good in uh, Twin Peaks, especially the Twin Peaks: The Return. She stole that show, in, in my opinion. Uh, she's great in this. She's just in the beginning, really, uh, as a neighbor character. Uh, who That's part of the very... Before it gets into the plot part, there's a intro scene where she visits Laura Dern and has this very kind of ominous uh, uh, conversation. 
Um, so Nikki appears in a mysterious alley, walking to her car, carrying a bag of groceries, but then she notices a door marked Axon N. And Axon N is from the very beginning of the film. There's a gramophone playing Axon N, which is uh, the longest running radio play in history. And so it leads, she enters the door with this bag of groceries and then she leads to the back soundstage where the earlier rehearsal took place. She witnesses that rehearsal from across the room. She herself has what had interpreted earlier. She herself was what had interpreted earlier. What? That's, that sentence is fucked up. Um, this time when Devin seeks to discover who's observing them, she disappears from the rehearsal scene and flees among the half-built backgrounds and into the house of a character named Smithy. Despite the set being a wooden facade, Nikki enters to find an illuminated suburban house inside, and Devin looks through the window but sees only darkness, not hearing her frantic cries of his character's name, uh, Billy. And at this point, the film takes a drastic, stylistic turn. And really what you've got there is, I mean, I'm guessing that's about 45 minutes to an hour into the film. So then it's just straight up two hours of, like, you are in a... um, just an, an absurd kind of art film for two hours and it and it touches upon some some things on the characters and it goes off there's a subplot with uh i guess smithy and uh there's like a polish circus involved at some point it's very, it's very it's nutty um but it's all it's all kind of that it works is because because lynch is is good at this and also because uh laura dern is good at this and there are moments again part of my little sentence my synopsis is involves this character um what's it called uh they call her the lost girl and she's sort of that like viewer character right who gets kind of lost in stardom from the standpoint of like a fan i and that's my interpretation and uh she's they there's a scene at the end where they kind of uh laura dern and her kiss sort of like freeing her um so yeah uh and then that frees her to go back to the house where smithy was and and they find that she's got a a son a very odd looking son (laughs) and the, the the credit sequence is very uh jarring too because i that one i was like what is this supposed to mean it was almost just like that that's when you that's sometimes i think you have to at least once a david lynch film just chalk up something to be like okay that means nothing and that's fine too anyway uh i don't know if i I don't really have much more to say about this uh film it is a challenging film 90 percent of the challenge is due to the visual uh the visual um, shortcomings, I guess, would be the right word, of the low-resolution digital video shot by Lynch himself using a handheld Sony camcorder film uh, uh, camera, which is nuts uh, that he had been so kind of adamant about, against that. And, you know, I think he always was al- he's always about taking chances and doing different things. And, and um, while well, a lot of his kind of – he's got, like – he's working in some thematic footholds he's always been someone that takes a lot of chances and that's one reason i really like david lynch is this i mean this isn't a 
I think a lot of people will kind of to be in you know uh, stand out. They might say this is the most underrated film of uh, the David Lynch filmography. This is the one you really you know. This is where he's kind of picks you know. And I I can't I can't give it that much cred. Uh, yeah, I, I I liked it, but again, I I can't see myself watching. And I have no idea how many times I start. I've watched Blue Velvet like nine times. And I haven't ever, I had never watched this one in its entirety, but I had watched that first like hour probably three times. And then I just like, I had to stop it. And uh, cause I was like, I'm missing something or I'm not like fully invested. And so I, I, over the years I had put it on, stopped it. I can't tell you three or four times at least probably, but I finally, I finally got through it and uh, I'm glad I did. Uh, I'm glad I did. Even if it is, if it is a slog in some ways, uh, it is, it's, it's worth watching. If you're, if you're trying to really get tied, tied Lynch together, the whole, like, uh, you know, I look at Lynch now, especially having seen, uh, elephant man for the first time. And I have to also say, I've never seen Dune, which is, you know, be like, Oh, how is this guy really? He's called himself a, uh, David Lynch, huge David Lynch fan. I was like, you know, I'm sorry. I've watched Mulholland drive seven times and blue velvet nine times and, uh, wilder heart and two twin peaks, uh, They discover the egg is worthless fake, but they end up, um, they end up, these, the eggs, um, where was that? The group, the eggs are fake, but they end up finding a list of names that are stored inside of it, realizing that's what the Bulgarian wanted. He wanted the egg at all, just the list. The group finds Brooks and his captors on an under-construction bridge and move in to rescue him. But before the captors are able to kill them, the group is saved by Gary, who was shot in the chest. And then Max and Annie try to encourage him to pull through by promising to invite him to every future game night. And then Gary reveals that he faked the entire scenario uh, in an attempt to trick them into letting him join the game night. He is, however, unaware about the egg. And they are immediately attacked by real, the real Bulgarian who captures Brooks after he swallows the list. Uh, revealed to be people in the witness protection program. That's the list. The list for you is just people they want to kill in the witness protection program. Max and Annie use Brooks's Corvette to drive the, to the airport and stop the Bulgarian from taking off with Brooks in his jet. They knock the Bulgarian out, tie him up, and free Brooks. Three months later, Brooks, now under house arrest, uh, has managed to sell the list for $3 million. Meanwhile, Annie has finally become pregnant. And the group, including Gary, <laughs> are continuing their game night. Uh, men with guns get ready to storm the building. A running joke. Um, some uh, Denzel Washington. That's another subplot about uh, the, a couple. Uh, one of them uh, thought she had sex with Denzel Washington, but then it's realized that it's uh, just a, a guy who looks like Denzel Washington. I got to say, movie of the year, maybe movie of the decade. And uh, I really love game night. I <laughs> I got to tell you, if you haven't seen it, uh, run, don't walk to game night. It is uh, truly a marvelous film. And uh, it's, it makes me a little sad that I'm done reviewing it, but I am. But because I read that's, I mean, I didn't read that's the plot. And I just, 
you know, not no spoilers, <laughs> no spoilers. Six point oh sixty two is the score on on game night rules. <laughs> So yeah, I mean, Inland Empire, definitely the best comedy of 2018. I give it a 7.711.